What's going on, everybody? Episode 190 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast, bringing you to the table while we talk about the outdoors. This week, finally, after a long hiatus, Tom is back in studio. Joined with Tom, we also have our good buddy, Austin, the Bay Bennerline. Austin's been coming more of a regular on the podcast lately, maybe even more than Tom. Uh, he's a good buddy of ours, hunts with us. He's got a lease over in Ohio, so we like to razz him about that too. Um, but this week, we're talking about shot placement, but more than just shot placement. It's also based on how high up you are in the tree, how far the deer is away from your stand, and also just the orientation of the deer. Um, along with that, we also got to dive in, you know, do some cliff notes of some past buck stories, which is always fun. We hope you guys enjoy them because we enjoy talking about them. But I think at this point, I'm going to quit rambling and let's get tuned in to this week's episode. So I did the cardinal sin. I pull up my bow and then I look dead at his antlers. I got out of the truck and when I slammed the door, I heard gobbles all around me. Alaska moose spot and sock. That is the bucket list. I agree. good to be back. Tom has finally joined us. After six months, he's finally back in the studio. Thanks for inviting me over tonight, guys. Glad to be back. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Of course. You. And uh, we got another, well, I guess Nick's here too, but as I'm sure everyone assumed that. Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm actually the only one with perfect attendance over almost four years. It is, are we coming up on four mm-hmm. years? Wow, that's a long time. That's whack. But Austin's here too. Hello. Yeah. Austin, you gotta get up. You gotta get up on the mic. Oh, okay. Austin loves standing way back. (laughs) Yeah, his favorite. Just hanging out today. He's he's still wet behind the ears on the podcast. I feel like I still am half the time, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Um, Before we jump into it, I do want to just take a second to say what a successful white cat palooza we had. Oh man, I had a great time. Um, We had our buddy John came all the way up from Ohio. That still blows my mind. That he made the trip. I um, didn't think he was going to make it, but he did. I'm glad he did. Yeah, he I thought it was time. more of a, yeah, you know, maybe we'll stop out and then there's Yeah, one him. of those things, like someone's like, oh, yeah, I really want to come, and then they never show up, but he he did it. Yeah, um, so thank you so much for coming up. We had a blast with you. Um, open invite for next year, so um, glad you can make it out. Hope you had a good time. Um, our buddy Jacob made it out, mm-hmm. so that was pretty sweet. He's not far, though, so no, that's no. not... As impressive, but still awesome that he made it up. Yeah. Um, didn't get snake hunt with him this year, which I'm a little bummed out about. But uh, he actually, he was showing me pictures. He went snake hunting this year. Oh, yeah. Um, which I thought was super cool because it's like, took yeah. him out once and then he went out and he found some snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah that he was, said, him, Emma was telling me that they went out. And yeah. She said they caught like six snakes the one spot they went to. Yeah, he went to one of the power lines we went to. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so that was pretty sweet that they got on them. Mm-hmm. Made me happy that maybe we taught them something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, Turns out we do know what we're doing sometimes. Yeah, I feel like I know snakes pretty well at this point. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit easier to figure out than big bucks, though. Yeah, no doubt. Um, speaking of big bucks, season's getting real close. It is. We're uh, all excited. Austin's yeah. not excited, but... Oh, I'm excited, Frank. <laughs> Austin had to go ahead and plan a Nickelback concert the day before opening mm-hmm. day. He sure did. That couldn't be a better kickstart to hunting season right there. So, Do you think we could talk old Nickelback into playing like Spirit of the Wild or like Fred Bear or something like yeah. to end the concert so like I can hear that and then to right the into the woods. He might like, play the Turdy Boy Buck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't We'll see. We'll have to. Brantley I'll hold Gilbert, it. that's probably more of his alley. Yeah. And he's opening. So if Brantley could play that and then Nickelback played little Ted Nugent. I think we're getting our hopes pretty high for that. Yeah. I'll um, just, I'll send him a DM and see what happens. Yeah. 
Say, hey, I'm coming to see you the day before archery season. Just just play Fred Bear real quick. So I know Austin's going straight from the concert to his lease in Ohio. Um, I don't know how far it is from there. I think it's like three hours. So by the time we get out of that, you're pretty much just going to go pretty much pack your shit and go in the stand. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're a good two hours once you get on the road, and it's an hour and a half, two hours to get out of the concert. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I'm going to sleep because it's I'm going to sleep on the way back because Tom told me he'd drive. So Biggest mistake of his life. Yeah. but uh, So I'm hoping to sleep a little bit in the car on the way back and grab my stuff and just get an early mm-hmm. jump on things because there's if I try to sleep when I get home. You're going to stay asleep. Yeah. And then, Austin's been trying to talk me into going, but I don't think I'm going to make it. He's not man enough. Yeah. I'm not. Come on, Frank. I do when, like Nickelback. When could you get another chance to see Nickelback the day before opening day archery? I wish it was two days before. That would be ideal. Mm, no. Mm. You get your blood the, pumping. Uh, yeah, the excitement of the concert would wear off by then. I can tell you right now, if I shoot a buck Saturday morning, I'm probably never going to listen to anything but Nickelback on the way to the stand. Yeah. It's going to be 100%. Usually it's Fred Bear. Might have to change it up. What if Nickelback did play Fred Bear that night, though? If that happens, Whoa. I think I would have superpowers. Because what if they just did it completely unprompted? They're just that's like, what I'm you saying. know, we've never done this before, but we're about to smack you in the face with some Fred Bear. Get ready for a phone call because <laughs> you're going to have to hear it live to understand that it actually happened. Yeah. I wouldn't believe you if I did No, didn't no, it. I wouldn't believe it if I saw it. <laughs> would have thought maybe I had too many fireball test tubes. Yeah. I'm going to be yelling Fred Bear like people yell Freebird at a concert. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyways, we've probably lost half the people listening by now because I don't give a shit about Nickelback. But, um, anyways, <laughs> you like Nickelback, then fuck you. Yeah, go back to, I was going to say go back to Canada, but that's where they are. So you stay out of Canada. <laughs> You're not welcome. <laughs> hey, get some syrup. Um, so this week we wanted to... You know, as the season approaches, we're getting really close. People should be shooting their bows. Um, so I wanted to talk about uh, shot placement, but more than just generic shot placement, more as it changes depending on your tree height and distance away from the tree that the deer is standing, um, as well as a little bit of, you know, quartering away, quartering to straight facing, which is very... Um, What's the word that's... Controversial. Controversial. That's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I figured we'd just do a roundtable discussion, um, kind of hit a few different yardages and talk about how high we like to hunt, um, kind of go from there. Um, I guess I'll start off just so you guys have a second to think about it. <clears throat> but I've, I've killed bucks everywhere from about six yards out to about 35. Um, over the years, I've gotten a taste for closer. I like bucks inside 15. Mm -hmm. Um, I think six is a little close, but it works. Um, so I guess my first talk, I'm going to go close range, like inside 10. Yeah. I've killed Um, two bucks inside 10. It's, it's exhilarating. Mm -hmm. Um, but margin for error is very small. I think that shot is the hardest shot to make on a deer. Yeah, when it comes to like hitting where you need to, because like yeah. hitting a target at thirty-five yards out is easy, but the problem is your target moves, so it's yeah that make it's challenging in a different way. Yes. I guess. Um, yeah, I think as far as the spot you're aiming at, yeah, it's the hard, it's the smallest spot to hit when they're right under you. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I'm just gonna revert back to last season because that's that was my closest I've ever killed a buck and he was at about six yards Mm -hmm. um and when they're that close like that I aim about an inch and a half away from the spine two inches maybe and basically what that's doing because if you aim center of the chest you're gonna clip one lung and go straight out through the brisket bottom of the lung yeah you're gonna gonna, let's see you're gonna clip that the long it's going to go running off and you'll never find that deer yeah that's Um, that's happened the first deer that i shot really close i was young at the time i think i was 15 or 16 um i did exactly that i aimed 
just a little bit too low. I got a little too far from the spine, got one lung, and that deer went a little over a mile, and we did end up finding it, but it That's, was... I'm good on you for staying on it, because I know a lot of people mm-hmm. wouldn't continue tracking that far. Yeah, I mean, it was bleeding good the whole time. Oh, yeah, good, and but... they say on a one lung deer, you should push them. Yeah. Like, that's the Wear only way you're going to get on it. Yeah. Because um, if you keep that wound open, it keeps bleeding, mm-hmm. and eventually you'll wear them out. It's not ideal, but it's better than letting but, them get infected in two months and then die. Yeah, exactly. But so I had that deer was perfectly broadside, which definitely makes it a lot easier because it opens it up a little bit. Um, but like I said, I aimed about inch and a half, two inches below the spine, and with your 20 yard pin, you're not actually putting it at that point. So that's another thing people have to practice. If you're going to take that kind of shot, you have to understand that most people have a 10 or a 20 yard pin. Mm-hmm. My 20 yard pin is hitting like inch and a half, two inches high mm-hmm. at 10 yards. Um, and then it stays really flat from like 20, almost to 30. Like it's very flat. Um, but, uh, so I aim about my pins about four inches below the spine, mm-hmm. but I'm hitting about yeah, two your inches. Yeah, pins probably damn near off the deer. Yeah, um, and then that what happened with my buck is I went right through um, the top of the first lung, down through, hit the second. But um, I guess he must have been quartering a little bit because I sliced the liver a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it helps a lot when they're close like that to have them quartered away a little bit. Yeah, he Just, must have been it gives quartered you a little, little bit, bit more to pass through rather than just touching the lungs and if you miss a little bit you're getting one lung whereas if they're quartered and you miss a little bit you're going to clip liver and lung yeah um so i always like it worked really well for me like that deer ran 60 70 yards or so mm-hmm. um and i mean good blood the entire way arrow i had a full pass through which was really mm-hmm. nice because i had that's another great thing too is when you when they're that close if you get a full pass through your exit hole is like at the bottom of their chest yeah. cavity. So you don't have, there's no like wait period for it to fill up a little bit before it starts draining out. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, 25, 30 yards out when you shoot, they're pretty flat. Yeah. And sometimes they might run for 30, 40 yards before you find blood. Now you can follow, you know, a disruption in the leaves or in the yeah. grass, but it makes they, it really. Yeah. They'll bleed a little bit from the yeah. flesh wound. But. but it always seems, you know, like I, I shot a doe earlier in the year that was at about 20 yards and, I had like blooded impact and then there was nothing until we got into the woods. Mm-hmm. So just another thing to kind of consider. And mm-hmm. one of the pluses I would, I guess I, I can't really tell people, like, I wouldn't recommend, you know, those six yard shots yeah. unless you've extensively practiced for it. Yeah. Um, but it's and very practice effective it from the air, like just shooting oh, yeah, a that, 10 that's yard I mean. pin on the ground is not, I mean, no. it's good practice feels weird shooting at 10 yards like why the hell am i doing this like yeah but it it's definitely a necessity if you plan on shooting something like that to shoot from a stand you know up in the air because your arrow does a very different thing when it's at that steep of an angle yeah and i can't remember and there's hundreds of people that have said this but i can't remember who was the first one to tell me this um Mm -hmm. when i was probably just getting started in bow hunting 13 years old or so um and I was all, I've always been told, aim for your exit hole. Mm-hmm. And that is so crucial too, even at that close distance, because when you're aiming, you know, you're trying to hit two inches behind the spine there off the side of the spine. If you draw a straight line from the tip of your arrow to there and then where it's coming out, that's kind of what you're aiming at is actually yeah. where your exit's at. Yeah. Um, it's your, I, I guess I always try to focus more on where do I think that arrow is going to leave the deer mm-hmm. and put my pin there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's my close range deal. I, I've really every close range deer I've shot was always pretty much broadside, maybe a little quartering away. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I'm comfortable enough to take a six yard shot quartering two. Yeah, I the the two that I've killed, the one was broadside and the other one was quartering away a little bit. But they're that quartering close two, that's that's risky business. There's yeah. a whole lot of shoulder there. I would probably just wait yeah. and ho- wait that he hope he comes broadside or catch mm-hmm. him past but uh tom i know you shot some deer a little bit further out and one specifically your first archery buck i wanted i was hoping you'd bring up just because of the way that deer was standing you didn't want to hear about my up close and personal buck that i shot at seven six or seven yards 
It's actually the biggest one ever taken off the climber farm. Well, I want to hear about that one too, but um, I guess it, while we're on close range, we could talk about that one. So this but make was, it quick. This was <laughs> November 13th, peak rut, and I, I'll, I'll make it quick. Basically, I had this buck chasing a doe and grunted him too close. I don't like those close range shots. Grunted him basically right underneath my tree stand, and he was pretty much perfectly broadside. And I put my pin right in the basically in the middle of the chest cavity, knowing that you know at that close range I'm going to be close three inches spine. high, so I'm going to be you know right right below the spine. That's all about knowing your equipment too and mm -hmm. practicing early in the year. And I shot this deer. Nick actually wasn't even there with us. It was just me and Frank holding yeah. the fort down. Yeah, well, you were doing I don't even remember what I was doing that morning. Sleeping. No, I wasn't even at camp. Yeah, you're sleeping in. I think you're actually hunting PA. Yeah. Yeah, because you did come up later. Because it was a Saturday morning, and you came up, and we hunted Sunday. But I had already killed a buck in PA, mm. so that's why I wasn't hunting PA on Saturday. Mm. I hadn't. I was just, I, I was on a good one up there. Were you? Yeah. As you say, you were on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been. Tough so, to say. anyway, hit him perfect, right below the spine, middle in between the haunches, I guess you could call it. And it actually... So like back long liver-ish? Yeah. So what happened was I hit right where I wanted to, and I was using these Rage expandables. And I now know that they, if you hit a rib or something, it's going to deflect your arrow. Yeah, quite and a bit. I have video proof of this from a buck I killed mm -hmm. earlier. Um, but I hit high just like I wanted and deflected and came out like back of the liver front of the guts and the intestines like plugged up that exit hole mm. so we got there and there was no blood at all we were worried yeah there was nothing and so we just kind of so what are you feeling at that point shit <laughs> because i found my arrow and there was lung blood on the arrow and but there was white hair mm. and i'm like did i come out like middle of his brisket You're thinking his... maybe you hit like clip one lung and then hit brisket yeah and so we're walking around and i can see some disturbed leaves and my adrenaline was pumping so hard i didn't really know exactly where this buck ran you, you've been known to be really bad at doing that. I know what direction they go. I just don't know how they You know left there. and right from which side. Like if sitting in the tree, you know if they went left or right. That's about all you can give. 180 degrees left or 180 degrees right. But I told Frank, I said, he ran around the edge of this food plot. Turned out he ran right through the middle of it. Um, but I'm like, he ran around the edge, and the last place I saw him was there, and then I heard some crashing. So I'm like, let's just walk around the edge of this food plot and see if I can't see where I last saw him. And just try and go from there. So we walk right around the edge, right where I think this deer's running. There was still no blood. Shocker. And we get to the tip, and I look down, and he's piled up right where I basically heard the crash. And we got up to the deer, and we're like, let's try and figure out what the heck happened. So we backtracked, and it was a freaking bloodbath. From, like, where the deer died all the way back to, like, it, he probably didn't open up for, what, 50 yards? I was going to say probably about 50 yards so, before he started bleeding, and then he was... Pumped. So what happened? Why did you jump off of the disturbance in the leaves? Because we lost it. We, oh, okay. We followed that for about 30 yards, and then we had nothing. Hmm. Yeah. So he, so he probably cut up on the trail, which would be tougher to see any disturbance. Yeah. A million exactly. deer tracks on that trail. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. But... Hit him just how I wanted, but just a little bit of fat or intestines plugged up that hole. But once the blood pushed it out of the way, it opened up like... Well, you got a man's broadhead this year, so... Yeah. None of that happened. Yeah. No deflection. Nice. Frank. What? I know you You also like cl up close and personal. Well, I was kind of joining right in with you when we were talking about it. I, I yeah. Like I said, I killed two of them, and both of them went... Austin. I was going to say... Yeah, Austin, have you, what's your closest archery kill? Uh, I'm same boat with you. I think my last buck I got with my Matthews bow was... Uh, 
Oh, he's plugging Matthews. <laughs> Look at him Sponsored, go. But uh, no, it was like six yards. I mean, straight underneath me. And I, I was just waiting for him to turn. And he just kept walking directly at my my stand. So he's walk, you, you've got like a hard court, like pretty much walking straight at you. Yeah. I was waiting for him to cut off kind of like the trail I was on. And he never did. And I, I stopped him. And then he just looked around. And then he looked up. And I had a direct shot right down through his chest. And... So you, you shot you took a, a you took shot. a frontal shot yeah full frontal so yeah. run us through that because that's I know it's a controversial shot and yeah, I've only pretty, done it with a muzzleloader yeah but I and Tom I know has done it with a rifle um, but tell us a little bit about where you were aiming and why and then we'll go down the blood trail and everything uh, I was kind of I mean where he was standing I was trying to aim right down towards its heart okay so is understanding that, like deer anatomy at that's really important too and understanding that that heart doesn't it actually can'ts to the left if you're looking. I believe it's to the left. I'm trying to think now. If you're riding on its back, it's to the left. Yeah. Uh, so, so if he's facing you, it would be to the right. Yeah. I think. Um, I'm, now, it, now I've got to look at the map. It's on his left side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, not on, it can'ts to his left side. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that. Now I got to brush up on that to be sure. Yeah. I always, I always study anatomy. Like the last, like yeah, I can first, tell. No, I'm saying like first couple of weeks I brush up on it yeah. before the season starts. Um, but anyways, go ahead. So you're aiming for the heart. Yeah, so at, anyway, I kind of stopped him. He looked left and right, and then he looked directly up at me. So he's like leaning back. So I had a nice shot right down. How high? Uh, uh, you're right at like the base of his neck? Yeah. Kind of like just above this, that I guess the like sternum. the sternum there. Right. And then I took the shot and... He just spun around. I saw that my fletching sticking out, so I didn't make a clean pass through. And he just how how much was your off. arrow sticking out? It was probably about two inches. Just so, for so the you got just thirty for the inches. Oh, so you, yeah, yeah, you buried an arrow inside oh, yeah. there. And then he, I just saw blood gushing out. Uh, he took off about eighty yards in the woods, and I heard a crash. And it was getting towards dark, so I couldn't see what was going on too much. And um, yeah, so I. Let him sit for an hour or so. Went and got my sister, and we went and looked for it, and it was laying right where I heard the crash. Mm-hmm. Good blood trail the whole way then? Yeah. Did you get his heart? Uh, I can't remember. I didn't end up butchering it. I took it to the butcher shop, and I mm-hmm. ended up pulling my arrow out, and it was still in there somewhere, and I I don't know if, what happened with it. So, um, and if you, Especially inside 100, it was, I'm sure you... Either slice both lungs or the heart. Yeah, yeah if it was both. a G5 Montac the... is what I was using. Those are nice broadheads. Yeah, they yeah. Are. I think all of us have shot those at one point. Pretty sure. I no, I haven't shot the G5s. That Montec makes another one. They're like the G5s are like uh, skeletonized. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that I shot were solid. Mm. I don't know what those ones are called, but I have shot G5s and I do like those broadheads. Yeah. I shot those right before I switched to Annihilators because they're kind of a similar build. And then you switched off Annihilators now. Yeah, now I'm on to the Grizzly Sticks. I wish you would have bought 125 XLs because that would have been like... Hit <laughs> Throw them out, wait. Hit your boy up. Mine are... They're 125s, but they're not XLs. They should probably fly the same. I guess if, if I get wild this year and need some extra broadheads, I'll probably <laughs> Start throwing them all over the place. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll move on a little bit further. Um, kind of like that sweet spot like the 15 to 20. That's I, my wheelhouse. That's where I would try to set up everything for 15 to, I, I like it under 20. Yeah, I'm, I'm an under 20 guy, more like 12 to 17-ish, I guess. Um, all the, I mean, a lot of it just depends on what tree I can get into, but I would much prefer inside 20 <clears throat> than 20 to 30. Um, so my next one was right around that, 20 yard mark uh, and this one I killed at a buddy's camp and I actually had a couple opportunities to shoot this buck but being the immature bow hunter at the time just didn't take the opportunities when I when they had presented themselves mm-hmm. so I first saw the buck at about 30 and he was broadside at that time I was not comfortable taking a 30 yard shot knowing that it was 30 I've, I've shot my furthest buck was 35 and i guessed him and i i did you know got the buck and everything but my range is not great like guessing mm-hmm. um but anyway this buck was at like 
30 yards or so and I just didn't like it you know there was a lot of limbs kind of hanging down and I was like eh, I don't really understand the arc on this bow like let's just wait out see what happens well he turns on a dime and does what your buck did just walks right at me and he got to about seven still walking right at me I'm like don't like that shot either like so we're just gonna wait this out and he's like staring at me and I'm just sitting there shaking and I have I actually filmed this was my first buck I filmed and I'm sitting there shaking in the sand watching this deer and then finally he turns around and then he got to about 15 to 20 yards somewhere in there walking straight away and I shot basically I was aiming a little high and it like the lat like right behind the last rib because he was walking almost straight away from me mm -hmm. um and fortunately unfortunately when i shot i i was shooting like a big rage broadhead mm -hmm. cuts like two and a half inches and when i hit i like just sliced something in the vertebrae as it was passing through because i got a full pass through with my first arrow but i like sliced something and he just dropped right there mm -hmm. um and i think i've told the story i ended up having to shoot it again but we won't get into that part, but it was like, had I been shooting a fixed blade, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have hit that, uh, vertebrae. Mm -hmm. Um, but like once I, I cut it open and everything like to gut it and could see that I got a full pass where I went right through the back of the liver, hit one lung and then like sliced one part of the heart open. So it was like, yeah. a per, I mean, I took out almost everything. There was mm -hmm. one lung that was untouched. Um, but that was, a, a tough shot, but another one that like I, I shoot my bow a lot this year. I will admit I've been lacking a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but I like it's when they're inside twenty. It just makes it a lot easier to yeah. There's less to screw up, and the deer has a lot less time to react. Yeah, and when uh, they're like at that fifteen yards, you're not at such a steep angle that you're worrying about the shoulder blade and the spine. Mm -hmm. Like you can still get both lungs very easily on a broadside yeah. shot without worrying about that it, that also changes because we aren't 30 foot in a tree you know yeah we're, i like to hunt low as low as possible yeah i'm more of like a usually like 10 to 12 that's where i typically um, am about 10 which i mean people say is low but at the same time most ladder stands are right around 10 12 foot you know i know they make some tall ones they're like 16 mm -hmm. um but I have four sticks, and most of the time I'm only two or three sticks high. Yeah. Um, that's just works for me. And a lot of it's just getting to the cover. Early season, I hunt way lower mm -hmm. just because there's so much foliage and everything I can get behind. Yeah. As the season progresses, and even like, even if there's still some leaves on the tree, once I get to the rut and I'm sitting all day, I do like to get a little bit higher because I, you can get away with a little bit more movement wise if you can get mm -hmm. up higher. Um, but there's a fine line before, you know, you start getting too high and then your shot angle is mm -hmm. shit. I had one deer like that years ago. It's the only deer I've ever wounded. Um, I was hunting somebody else's stand on the edge of a field. And as soon as I got up in it, I was like, this is a lot higher than I would prefer to be. Mm. And I didn't love it right off the bat, but I hunted the evening and a nice buck came in and I knew I was up high. I was like, oh, I got to kind of creep up a little bit closer to his shoulder blade. And I ended up hitting his shoulder blade, didn't get that deer. Um, to my knowledge, it lived, mm -hmm. um, never found it. But that's why I, after that, I was like, I'm never hunting that high again. Like I, I know it's it a very makeable shot. Yeah, and it's all I what you practice for, for and what you're comfortable at. Exactly. You know, if and you're not confident hunting low, then by all means do what puts you in the best opportunity to shoot a buck. Yeah. Um, but for me, my confidence is hunting low and shooting 15 to 20 yards. Yeah. Tommy, I think your uh, first archery buck falls into this category of the 15 to 20. And I'd like you to talk about that one because that was kind of a funky shot that you had to take on that buck. That was not 15. That was about eight yards. Oh, really? I thought that was like 18. No, no, that was another one. My calling skills are just superb. <laughs> and <laughs> I snort wheezed this buck in from probably about 80 yards. I seen him out. He, I seen a, a Is this doe. big, like mature dominant buck? Or? Yeah, very mature. <laughs> I seen a doe earlier, and this was also right in the route. I think it was like October 28th. I saw a doe walking this trail 
first light. And then about 15 minutes after that, I saw a buck walking. Just rack coming through. No, I, I, he, he was a climber buck. <laughs> Early climber buck. You can't call him a climber buck anymore. Yeah. And so I'm like, right, these deer are just walk, following that doe trail. So I snort wheezed at him trying to entice him. And that buck paid no mind, but there was another buck somewhere nearby that heard. And he came charging in, ears pinned back, hair on his neck, standing up, ready for a fight. And I was on a uh, cherry tree with absolutely no cover. I was on a tele Like when they say, oh, it's, you're hunting on a telephone pole, I was actually on a telephone pole. <laughs> it was great. Cherry tree in the middle of the hardwoods, but it was the spot to be. So I did get up a little bit higher. I was probably 20 feet just because I have that ability with a climber. Mm-hmm. And he came inside of 10 yards, and he's quartering to me fairly hard. But he was also kind of like looking away or back. or something. Wasn't there something weird going on with like the way his body was yeah, positioned? Yeah, he was kind of in like a, a C shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically I tried to tuck it as close to that front shoulder like the back side of that front shoulder as I could mm-hmm. um, just so I could get both lungs. And I don't know, he, he had me, I got to like three quarter draw on this buck and he stares dead nuts right at me. So that's where all the weight's at on your buck. That's too. where all the weight's at. So <laughs> right at the let off. So I'm trembling and waiting for him to move, but he's not moving. He's just staring at me and I'm like either, I let this bow all the way down and he's going to take off and run or I finish the draw and see what happens. So I decide finish the draw and he does one of those like head bob things and it gives me just enough time to get the pin on him and touch the release. And in hindsight, probably definitely rushed the shot. Just Well, you were good. only probably 14 or 15 at the time you know you weren't driving at that time i think i had i was driving us up there yeah probably so anyway i missed my mark if the deer was facing broadside it looked like i missed the mark by a freaking foot um but with the angle he was at i really only missed it by a couple inches i ended up actually going in front of the front shoulder like through the base of the neck and out both lungs behind the shoulder on the behind far side. Behind the shoulder on the Which, far side. Even though you, I mean, I, I, I commend you for admitting that it wasn't what you were trying to do. Yeah. Um, it's not a lot of people, especially on podcasts, want to admit when they screw up. Um, but every single, but every single person sitting at this table has had it happen. And mm-hmm. pretty much, if you've been hunting long enough and you listen, I guarantee there's a story in the back of your mind that you're thinking of right yeah. now, saying, "Yeah, I screwed up too." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it ended up being probably where you should have aimed, I guess, if you... Yeah. No, it, it worked out well. He only ran probably 120, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was all downhill, so I think it kind of kept his momentum going. Yeah, and as soon as he hit the uh, red brush there, he was... He was done. Yeah, he pretty much made a death run to the bottom and died right at the right at the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that nice 10. <laughs> yeah. You're an idiot. Yeah, Tom... I forgot that's what you said. Yeah, Tom texted everybody... Said he shot a nice ten. It's like one of the. It was probably like the third buck that had been killed on the farm. So like we went from like everybody shooting four corns, and Tom's like, "Yeah, I shot a big, a nice 10. Well, your dad saw one the day before. Yeah, right where you were at. Was the day before or the week before? The week before. But that's why I went there. Mm-hmm. Because my dad wasn't there. So we were all like, "Heck yeah!" So we get all up there, and I'm like, "One." That ain't no. I think it was a five. Yeah. <laughs> Halfway he had there. some good palmation and shit going on. Hey, though. that was kind of a neat rack. <laughs> what about interesting to see what he grew into? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can go check it on the wall, see what he turned into. He's yeah. still there. Yeah, he's still growing. Yeah. Austin, wh- where's your wheelhouse? What do you... Uh, for height-wise in a tree? Uh, height-wise in a tree and distance for your shots. Like when, when you're setting your stand and you're, you know... Because I know you, you use your climber a lot, and I know you're getting into the lock-on game this year. Yeah. Um, but when you're picking a spot out, where are you looking to try and place that deer from you? And uh, then how high are you going? 
normally I like to get about, I like to get up pretty high, like 18, 20, somewhere okay. in that area, but. You're one of those guys. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but uh, I might tone it down a little bit, stay a little lower, but uh, I mean, I I usually practice with my bow at like 40 yards all the time, so I'm comfortable doing 30-yard shots. And What's like bread and butter where you're like, I you this deer this deer is in too. serious trouble if he walks in this range. Yeah, twenty or thirty. Okay, so day. you're twenty to thirty. So you like him a little bit further out. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I feel like I mean, if they're right underneath me, there's more movement they could pick up. But I mean, it all depends where I'm at, what time of year. But I mean, twenty to thirty is pretty good. That's what I'm comfortable with. But yeah, I think all of us are comfortable out to thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to try but, and shoot forty this year but i mean i'm not gonna try and make a risky shot but i would be comfortable i know there's several people like um that i know that will consistently have hit deer at 40 Mm -hmm. the problem is is there's so much everything you do could be perfect yeah yeah um yeah your arrow could go exactly where you want it but that deer could do a whole lot between now and then um so there's a lot you have to pay attention to like definitely don't want at 40 you don't want their head down yeah um i found that out last year when my dad missed the one that he shot mm-hmm. end up you end up getting it in uh late rifle season but in archery season he had a crossbow and he was staying about 30 yards and he had the head down he was feeding it's we weren't you and i were talking about that like a yeah. couple of days before he's got a video happened. of it too he doesn't like to show too many people <laughs> but it was weird you were at camp with us and we were discussing the whole head up head down thing and then mm-hmm. it was like couple days later you're like dude it's insane how much they could drop with their head down Mm -hmm. and they hear that little click or arrow coming at them and they just hit the ground you say like his belly was like in the dirt it was i mean it was almost he just totally dropped totally dropped within 30 or 40 yards however far it was but yeah always make sure their heads up before you try to make a farther shot um and then a lot of see i I've also done a lot of reading, and guys will aim at like bottom of the heart, um, mm-hmm. at those deeper distances. And their thing, the, their theory behind it is, if they jump your string, it's a clean miss, n- no harm, no foul. Yeah. If they don't move, you're hitting the heart. If they do drop, there's way more room for it to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it's 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 a risky shot, and I do my best not to. Yeah, I've never put myself in that opportunity. I've never liked the idea of aiming, aiming. for where they might be. Yeah, I it's, it's and like yeah. that's why I don't even like shooting that far because I don't even want to have to think about that. I mm. want to, and not to say a deer can't jump a string at closer distances. I mean, it makes it a lot fucking harder. But when you're gonna have a recurve, which is gonna yeah make oh, it I'm, even easier. Yeah, it, I'm definitely shrinking the distance a little bit this year, um, which isn't a big deal because I always have I always set up to shoot closer anyway so it won't change how I do anything but yeah I just I've never that's never sat well with me mm-hmm. I know a lot of people do it I know it works but it's aiming, something you're not confident with it so you yeah. don't do it and I think that's important that you understand that and... yeah aiming where I don't want to hit and where I'm thinking they're going to be I don't love it that's yeah. just it's it's weird in my mind like I said, I know people do it and it works, but I can't get myself to do it. And it's not really like you've had you've killed plenty of bucks, and it's mm-hmm. not like I, I don't know, I don't look at it like when I set up my stand, and I, I've had bucks come through and they were out of range. I don't come back to camp kicking rocks saying, "Man, I wish you know I wish I would have just taken a forty yard shot or mm-hmm. you know if you, I, I don't look at it that way. I just no. like I he had a buck come range. through, he was out of range. I don't. You know, I don't wish I had a crossbow that could poke a little bit more or wish mm-hmm. I had more range out of my bow. Like, my distance is what it is. If they aren't in that, it it is what it is. Yeah. And I hope I meet up with them again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I don't get too bent out of shape about it. Um, I had buck a few years ago that I had a clean broadside shot at 40 yards or 40, 45, 40, somewhere in there and just didn't didn't like it i was like it's too far i mean he was literally like hitting a uh, licking branch like i mean he was wide open and i but i don't regret not taking that shot Mm -hmm. um he followed the trail that i thought he was going to which was going to give me a 25 yard shot which was really what i wanted but 
I didn't, I'd never been in that spot before. And I didn't realize there was a stream, like a, it was more of like a drainage ditch, um, off the back of this pond. And, uh, just because of the weeds, I, I had no idea that there was that drainage there. And my only opening was at that drainage ditch. And I didn't know it until the buck was, you know, he's at 25 yards, but behind a tree, I draw back. And instead of walking into my lane, he jumps over this drainage ditch and out of my life. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I it totally baffled me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm sitting there at full draw. And that's only the first time. And hopefully the last that I'm sitting there at full draw and didn't get to touch a release. I guarantee it will not be the last. I hope it is. I get that. That fries me. <laughs> like I have no problem. If a buck comes through 45, I don't get a shot. But if, if I draw it back, he better be, I dead. don't like, I don't like letting the bow down. I like to <laughs> fire it. So anyway, it happens. Like you said, realistically, it's probably going to happen again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tom, you got any other buck stories of kind of weird distances or anything that you wanted to talk about or I'll just talk about one real briefly. Uh, this was a buck three years ago. It was actually my first opportunity at shooting my target buck that I had patterned all summer. Mm. And so this one stings and I have this food plot. He was coming out religiously about an hour before dark all the way up until opening day. And I knew first time I had the correct wind, I was going to go in there and I was going to kill this buck. Well, I didn't get that uh, wind on our Saturday opener. So I waited until I think it was Tuesday and got that right wind snuck in. And sure enough, hour before dark, here he comes and I'm freaking pumped. And another buck that I was familiar with, but he wasn't on my target list, comes out. And this was actually, I think it was like October 8th. And if someone would have dropped me in that stand and not told me what day it was, I would have thought it was like November 5th. Because these two bucks started fighting. I heard snort wheezing. And they were aggressively fighting, not Mm -hmm. just like... Not just tying up real quick to see what it's all about. Yeah. And so the big nine that I was after starts chasing this other buck away. And now it's getting close to dark. And I'm like, shit, I'm not going to get a shot. And then he starts coming back the other way. And I'm like, all right, this is, this now is my chance. Yeah. So he comes through at like, it was 33 yards. And this is my mistake, but I drew back and he was walking with a purpose. He was pissed off. And I stopped him and he looked dead at me and I put the pin, you know, right behind the front shoulder, middle of the chest and I shot and he ducked the arrow and I ended up hitting what they call that no man's land in between the spine and the top of the lungs. Hmm. And got trail cam photos of him in muzzleloader, could never connect with him again, but yeah, it stings. It's but looking, knowing now, what how's the saying go? Knowing now what I didn't know then. Yeah, um, it was pretty stupid to stop a buck, especially a mature it, buck at thirty three yards, mm-hmm. and expect to get a a good shot with no reaction. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of them things where it's. Uh, Controlling your emotions in a stand in that moment is one of the hardest things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be honest, when it gets easy and I'm not excited, that's probably when I'll hang mine up for good. <laughs> like I, I, that jacked feeling and the excitement, the adrenaline, like that's yeah. what I'm out there for. And I've gotten better at like managing it and calming myself down. Well, yeah, like the got, more you do it, the more you're able to manage it. And in those situations where you're super amped, you yeah. can still look at it and like say, I focus. know what to do here. I yeah. know where he's at. I know how he's feeling. I shouldn't stop him right now. Or yeah. I should wait till he gets right here and stop him. Or right mm. now is the time to stop him. I think one thing that's helped me a lot with that, and I don't know if you guys do this or not, um, but from the time I get into the stand until dark or until I get out, 
the whole time I'm up there, I am playing through scenarios of, mm -hmm. okay, a buck comes down the hill, he comes right here, like, and I just kind of mentally play the game of... What if? Yeah, like, okay, he... Shit, what if he comes from behind me? What am I going to do? I think he's going to go this way. Like, and I just play those scenarios out over and over. Mm -hmm. Helps keep me occupied. And sometimes it gets so real, you almost get excited. <laughs> like, you know, if you're thinking like about it. It's about to happen. Yeah. I have definitely you... psyched myself out before, like, just, I get overconfident. Like, okay, this buck's on his way. Like, he's going to come <clears> into my sight any minute now. Yeah. And I just get so worked up. And then he never does. It's like, ah, oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> What are you gonna say, Austin? Uh, so when you're playing out, when deer are coming through, or you got a trailer pattern, are you marking trees with a rangefinder? Like, oh, okay, I'm big trees, all twenty the time. yards, yeah, constant the entire time. Because yeah, you I, you haven't hunted with me at a whole lot. Like we've only got what one season under our belts together. Yeah, um, you're gonna find I suck at judging range. <laughs> um, there's been many times where I shoot something, tell Tom, yeah, you know, I think he, he's probably like twenty yards or so, and we get up there, Tom's like, that's 12. Like, I, I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I, I learned that at a young age. So now, while I'm running those scenarios, I am ranging pretty much every tree. Mm -hmm. And I and I make circles around my stand where it's like, okay, this is the 20 circle. This is a 30 circle. Like, mm -hmm. just so I know right where it's at. My Uncle John took it even further. And he used to spray paint yard oh. edges on trees. Like, because <laughs> he only had like three tree stands he hunted. And all the way around, there'd be orange spray paint, 20, 30, 40 all the way around and it was honestly i started when tom and i first got into hunting we hunted a lot out there and it actually helped me a ton as a young hunter being able to like see that mm -hmm. um, obviously it didn't help you with judging distance yeah, that's no not I mean. at all i think it probably ruined me on judging distance because i didn't have to yeah um my dad did that when we were growing up like mm -hmm. with the crossbow i was shooting blind he had those yellow or those little flags you put in the ground so like mm -hmm. 20 30 40 50 and i mean that really helped a lot just mm -hmm. growing up and seeing deer okay that's 20 yards 30 yards the scrapes 50 or whatever mm -hmm. yeah i my dad never did anything with like marking he would have a range finder and he would ask me like that's how, probably how why you're far so much you... better that's what yeah. my grandpa used to do with me and mm -hmm. i tell you what, inside 80 like 80 to 50 i'll be within like three four yards mm -hmm. 50 to zero Give me two yards. Yeah, I, that's how I'm, I'm pretty spot on with. Yardages. I can hit within ten. <laughs> Nick's like, we'll get there. We'll get. There. Yeah, that's what rangefinders are for. <laughs> Talk shit on. I don't really care. It works for me. I am even though I am good at it. I am. I have my rangefinder in my hand all the time. As soon as I get in the stand, I'm ranging stuff. And even though I know that tree is 23 yards, so I'm gonna sure range it, it 17 more times. There's stands I've been hunting for a decade. That I still check every time I get up. Like, does mm -hmm. that tree move at all? Well, still <laughs> tree got a little bit bigger <laughs> yeah. since the last time I was like, here. Like, oh man, he's 19 now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I think those are very helpful things to do. Like, I, I think I've said it a bunch of times, but I think there's make sure a lot you're of, always ranging things. There's a lot of things you can occupy yourself with in the stand in slow periods that are beneficial to the hunt. Yeah, not just uh, playing on your phone. Yeah, yeah I'll. I'll I've in the last two years I've gotten way better because I made a conscious decision and like to not use my phone while I'm hunting because I used to like there was a couple probably like two three seasons where I got no habit of like if it was slow just start scrolling Facebook and then all of a sudden it's like oh now I'll check Instagram and then it's like oh maybe now go there's back a bus going by yeah awesome great, great. Um, it was empty Tom don't worry didn't look like it. It's, it is, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> it is empty. Uh, but so like in the last probably two, maybe three seasons, I've told myself like, hey, we're done with it. Mm -hmm. um, but just because like it, I had no intentions of spending that much time on your phone. It's just like you go to check Facebook really quick. Yeah. And then you're on Instagram and then you're Snapchat. And so like now it's just I keep my phone in my pocket. Um, and uh, Apple Watch has really helped me too. Um, just yeah, because you don't have to pull your I don't phone. have to because that was the biggest issue. Like I would get a text and then and check the text, and then you're on your phone, and then you're checking Facebook, Instagram, and the whole nine. So now I get a text, and I can just quickly see what it is if it's something I need to answer or not, and mm -hmm. then answer it right from the watch. Um, just makes it so much easier. I can have a bunch of preset stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I can just put "fuck you, Tom" <laughs> as one of my presets for entry season. Just that so, one's important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just. 
like you said, there's a lot of things you can do to keep yourself occupied, like checking keep range. Keep your mind on the hunt. Yeah, checking range and playing every possible scenario you possibly could. And like mm-hmm. Tom said, to the point where you're psyching yourself out, like, oh my God, he's coming. <laughs> Is that a deer over there? Yeah, then sometimes the story happens in your mind perfectly with a squirrel behind you to where it like yeah. really sets you off. Mm-hmm. Um, Squirrels are dicks. Come like know, October 25th, I like to really pass my time with some aggressive call sequences. Yeah, I know you do. It's I can well. hear them from like 70 yards out, just bang, just nonstop. Yeah. As soon as you finish one sequence, you start now, the Now, realistically, like every 15 minutes is a good benchmark. For rattling? Tom does I, everything in oh yeah. every, every 15 minutes. Yeah. Tom, run, why don't you just... He's got list- a five-minute sequence. Yeah. For the and listeners and Austin's yeah. sake, run us through the sequence that you do like every 15 minutes for the rut, which Tom's a November killer, so he is. you can't say it doesn't work. So the first thing I like to do is let out some estrus doe bleats. Can you sound those out in case people don't no. know what they are? Nope, you can look it up on your own time. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a little bit. How long? minute or so hmm. and then i like to hit them with a trail grunt you know just a short burp 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 how come you'll do those but not the, the I, I can't do a estrus doe <laughs> so that's like the a buck he's coming down that trail that that doe was and then not long after that maybe like 45 seconds i hit him with a good challenge grunt and then a snort wheeze like okay there's another it. buck in this area and then I give it about a minute, and I do some aggressive rattling. How's your rattling start? I take my rattle bag and smash it against the tree as hard as I can. I learned that from Stan Potts. That's mm. aggressive. Yeah. But... And a lot of times, too, like while I'm, what I'll do is like I'll grab a branch, and then I'll rattle with my rattle bag against my leg while I'm raking a ra- branch through the other branches of my tree. Mm. You're really painting a picture up there, old Bob Ross. Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Might be Tom's new archery nickname, Bob Ross. Bob Ross. <laughs> yeah. Tom Ross. That's good. All right. Tom, you're now Tom Ross. Touche. I don't think touche fits there, does it? No. When yeah. in Rome. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us again. Austin, thank you. Yeah. Glad uh, to be here. Glad we. I had to talk you into it. You were just going to be Yeah, I was just being chilling on the couch here. Glad I could... um, Tom, I don't know what we had to do to get you back in the studio, but we're glad to have you. Um, John gave you some shit at the Palooza. Said you haven't been on. Nice. Oh, really? Did he? Oh, yeah, he was talking. He's like, yeah, where's Tom? And I'm like, yeah, we got to give him some shit. That's funny. But, Tell him I was preparing for that party? No, I didn't. I said he just sits at home, does nothing. He's actually in the downstairs while we podcast. Yeah. Doesn't want no, any I, part of it. I don't remember what I told him. I was probably drunk. Um, anyways uh, thanks again everybody for listening for I think this might be like 190 episodes um, we should look into that because if we're getting close to 200 that's a big one that's well I know what it is we'll have to, like, get, we'll after, have to get drunk for it or something yeah get back to old Tom like episode 6 drunk yeah uh, <laughs> the people would love it yeah so if you guys have been listening for that long you guys all know what to do at this point get outside <laughs>